You're listening to the Make Life Epic Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome. And thank you for tuning in to the Make Life Epic Podcast. It's a beautiful day here in San Diego. Um, and uh, let's get rolling. So today, it's going to be a little bit different. I actually don't have a guest today. I've got um, some other things I want to talk about. And uh, we've had a guest. I've had a guest almost every other podcast, the last four or five podcasts. So I wanted to just change it up and just uh, you guys uh, would just listen to me today. So hopefully you dig it. And so let's get right into it. A couple of updates for you. As some of you know, as some of you know, I mentioned it before, my book is now out. Just it just sounds crazy even to say that out loud. Like my book is just now out. So you can check it out at heroupthebook.com, heroupthebook.com. I hopefully, hopefully um, it's something that you dig. I tried to write it and make it really raw and relatable and and something that was applicable to just about anybody, no matter where you are in your life. And I think that if you're a listener to the show and you like the show, you probably love the book. So anyway, heroupthebook.com. I will leave it there and, and uh, check it out and, and let me know what you think. Second thing I wanted to say is I wanted to thank Nancy Joe. I won't, uh, she is a listener of the show and she was nice enough to send me some, some feedback last week. And uh, Nancy, I want to thank you for listening in. And I also want to tell you that I, I definitely listened to your feedback and uh, hopefully you'll notice in the show um, how your feedback has been put into play. Um, other than that, it's been gorgeous weather here in San Diego. It's a little bit warm. I've been trying to surf every day. I've gone surfing every day since July 9th. So something like, I think 20 days in a row right now. I've been trying to do this because I think there are a lot of lessons in the water for me personally, um, both dealing with my fear of stingrays. They freak me out. And, and then also, you know, not necessarily always being totally comfortable in big waves. So, but going in every day and being consistent about it has really made a difference in my life. And it's something that I, you know, I yearn for now. So I know that as soon as I'm done doing this podcast and recording this podcast, because it's 1030 in the morning on a Friday, I'm going to go to the water and, and uh, jump in, get some waves and hop out. So along those lines, so what is this podcast about? This podcast is really about 10 or 11 life lessons that I've learned um, that I wanted to share with you. Because I really do believe that we're, we learn every day, right? Like, so just going through your general life, there are tons of life lessons that you can learn from. Um, and I think probably more important in, on this list is you'll be able to learn not just from my success, you know, or, or successes that I've had or great things that have happened in my life, but you'll learn a lot from my failures and the things that I've really uh, screwed up royally. So hopefully um, uh, this won't get too, too embarrassing for me, but hopefully you can learn some of these lessons. Um, and I tried to, I tried to take these lessons and really make them sort of the uncommon lessons that we learned. Cause obviously there are lessons like, Hey, just work really hard and life will be great. Or, you know, uh, things like that. Those are just, I mean, look, you could throw a rock in Barnes and Noble and hit a self-help book that will say something like that. And, and it's just not like what I want to focus on. So the very first one that I want to start with is the ability, the life lesson is to take chances. So being able to take chances in your life and being willing to take chances. And I believe, you know, in one sentence, your level of success is directly related to the calculated risks and the chances that you take. And I'll give you a really brief example. So when I met my wife, I met her, I met Kelly walking down the street in our condo development. I was walking my dog, my dog 
uh, ran right over to her. She was just moving in, so she was at our trunk. And some of you have heard this story before. I know I mentioned it before, but basically, when when we you know we talked for about five minutes, and I was like, "Wow, that girl's super hot, super cool. She likes my dog. My dog likes her. You know, I should ask her out." But I was like, "When am I really ever going to see her again? Because this is a big complex. Am I really ever going to? How am I going to run into her?" So I took a chance. So the, a couple of days later, I wrote a note on the back of my business card, um, and I put some dumb joke that she never got and never understood. Years later, we still laugh about that. And um, I took a calculated risk and took a chance that saying, you know, like, okay, I'm going to ask her out. I'll see if she wants to go to dinner. And she's either going to say no. And if she says no, I'll just completely avoid her uh, for the rest of my time there. And if she says yes, you know, who knows what could happen. And so by taking that, you know, that calculated risk, what ends up happening is I end up marrying the girl. And I'm still married to her. Coming up on 14 years in a couple of weeks, we've got you know two daughters, two cats, two dogs, a fish, and a hamster. And we've got this you know awesome life that we've created. So I think that lesson is to be able to take chances, take calculated risks. Like I'm not telling you to go bungee jumping without being attached to the bungee cord, right? Um, but I am saying like don't be afraid to take calculated risks and take some calculated chances in your life. You're going to fail a ton of times, and and you're going to uh, succeed, uh, a, a ton of times. Um, I'll, I'll give you another example from, from high school. I had asked this girl to the sophomore semi-formal and her, I still remember her name, Mary Ann Nolan. So we go to the semi-formal and have what I thought was a great time, even though my parents drove us to the semi-formal. There's an embarrassing fact about gym number 398, probably. And so as we're Done with the formal, parents drive us back to her house. Wow, even as I'm saying this story, it just is like making me cringe. It's so embarrassing. So I walk her to the door and I ask her and I say, hey, do you want to be my girlfriend? Or I said something like that. And so so that was a big calculated chance on my side, right? Big, big risk I was taking, especially as a sophomore in high school. And she turned and she looked at me and she said, I don't know what I'm feeling right now, so no. So... You know, arguably that's one of the more embarrassing moments in my life, you know, and I was crushed and I just felt horrible. But I got to say, I'm kind of glad I took the chance because if nothing else, I knew where I stood with her. And because she didn't go to my high school, she didn't go to LaSalle. I didn't have to worry about running into her that often. So it was worth the risk. And so I, I basically stumbled and said something stupid and, and then uh, walked away. And um, I'm almost positive I never saw her again. So, but you can learn from that failure in the sense that like, at least, at least I took the risk on that. All right, moving on. Lesson number two, don't be oblivious. Okay. So here's what I mean by this in one sentence, be aware of what's going around, going on around you. You know, you don't live in a vacuum. So be aware of what's going on you. And I'll give you another uh, example. You know, when I was uh, in Los Angeles, is another example. This is a dating example. God, why, a lot of my examples are my uh, dating life from a thousand years ago. So a thousand years ago when I lived in Los Angeles in the early 90s, uh, I was dating this girl from work. And I found out from her and dating with her that she was not attracted to guys and was really attracted to women. And I sort of put that aside because I worked with her. I was super arrogant and cocky at the time. And, and I, 
again, another embarrassing story. Maybe I'll change the title list to embarrassing stories about Jim. Um, I dated her for two years and we really would never fool around. We never really took the relationship physically uh, very far at all. But I was completely ob- uh, I was completely oblivious and I thought, oh, I can change her. You know, she's gorgeous. I, I want to, you know, I want to, I really want to make this work and blah, 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 blah. And what I can tell you is, is that after two years of doing that, um, I was in this oblivious state. And after two years, you know, we broke up, ended badly, and, you know, we went on our separate ways. Um, so a big lesson here is like, just don't be, don't be oblivious to the surrounding, to your surroundings. Get a, get a clue on what's going on around you. And if you've seen tons of, tons of hints, you know, you can start putting stuff together. You know, uh, my old boss, Jamie Kenny, used to say, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, uh, uh, it probably is a duck. So, um, and I would say like, look, dating a lesbian for two years really isn't that fun, you know, unless you're a lesbian, which I'm not. So, uh, so the lesson there is to not be oblivious. And I think we all get into different situations where we're oblivious in, in different ways. So just, uh, that would be one to not do. Okay. <clears throat> lesson number three. Choose success over perfection. You've probably heard me talk about this before. I am a big proponent of choosing success over perfection because in one sentence, with success as a goal, you'll be way more effective and way happier, okay? So if I think of a failure in my life in this area, this would fall into every single website that I've probably ever launched in any business I've ever done because I've taken way too long to try and get the site perfect, get the marketing message perfect, get the colors perfect, get everything in there perfect. And then I launch and it takes me, you know, I've launched, I've launched stuff six months too late, three months too late, a year too late. Um, and, and still launched with, with stuff that still had stuff wrong with it. So I've still, I've spent that extra time trying to get a site perfect and then found that, you know, there were still errors on the site. So, when you choose success over perfection, what you're really doing is you're allowing yourself the freedom to make mistakes. And that allows you to go faster and to take action in other areas where maybe you wouldn't take action so fast. So always choose success over, over perfection. Now, here's another, uh, I would say an example from my life that I've been successful in, in that the gym clothes in my trunk, in the trunk of my car, right? So every week, beginning of the week, I always put a bunch of gym clothes in the trunk of my car. They're all clean, you know, uh, do laundry on Sunday, whatever. And I throw all my shorts and t-shirts and uh, sneakers and bag, you know, towels and whatever I put in the back of my car. Now in a perfect world, I would match all that stuff up. It wouldn't be wrinkled. It would be folded neatly. And I would do that every single day. And I would have, you know, everything uh, kind of planned out every single day. Well, the thing is, I'm looking for success, right? So sometimes with my schedule, I don't know if I can make the 4.30 CrossFit class. I might have to go at nine o'clock the next day. And by the time I get home, like I don't necessarily wanna have to plan out a gym outfit or remember to put a gym outfit in my car. So I dump it all in there on Monday. And so, yeah, so there's sometimes when I go to the gym and my shirt's wrinkled or my shorts are wrinkled, I don't care. And I honestly don't think anybody around there cares you know, what I look like when I'm working out. You know what I mean? Like I don't, no one's ever come up to me and said, Hey, Hey man, that shirt's horrible. Or wow, that's really wrinkled. What's wrong with you? 
So I'm focused in my life on success. I'm not focused on perfection. And I'm sure some of you have seen this. Maybe you've been in that situation before, or maybe you know you felt that way, where you feel like you have to be perfect. And trying to be perfect is so stifling. It's so hard. It's so difficult. And it's not attainable. There's so few perfect people in the world that it's just like you just, you know, there isn't probably isn't anybody who's perfect in the world. I take that back. You know, it's just not something that can be done. So that's something to think about. Um as you're going in your day. So that's one of my big lessons. And I learned that a long time ago is to choose success over perfection. A perfect example of this is this, is this podcast. I'm recording this in my office. There's probably a little bit of background noise. There's people driving down the street, but again, I'm going for success, not perfection. If I was, if I wanted to do this perfectly, I would, um, I don't know what I would do. I guess I would record in a studio, either build a studio or go to a studio and pay 200 bucks an hour to record, which just sounds crazy to me. So, Anyway, lesson number three, choose success over perfection. Lesson number four, this one is the one I see a lot, especially right now as we kind of, uh, the political climate is getting crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier and, uh, and then even crazier. And that is to lighten up. Like if you, and in one sentence, if you want a happy life, Try not to take too many things too seriously, especially in yourself, especially yourself, okay? So I know that in my own personal life, in my career, when I was early in my career, I was a really hard driver and I took everything really seriously. If someone was two minutes late for a meeting, if someone didn't do a report perfectly, I took it all really, really serious. And and, um, And that relayed over to, working out or running marathons or playing sports. Like every game that I played was like the end all be all. I took everything so, so, so seriously. And it was really, really stressful, like really, really, really stressful. And it was miserable. It was miserable and stressful. So what I learned was that just not to take myself too seriously and not to take a lot of, uh, a lot of what happens in your sort of day-to-day life too, too seriously. So, and because of that, I've, you know, for different companies that I've worked for, I've allowed my teams to, you know, push me into fountains when we were filming something, you know, my daughters wanted to run a, um, uh, a race locally in town where people get dressed up. So I've dressed up in drag, you know, I've dressed up in a Buzz Lightyear costume. I've dressed up in my Elvis costume numerous times for different things, because I just don't take myself that seriously. There's no need to life is supposed to be fun. Like we're supposed to be here on the earth having fun. And lightening up is a big piece of that. You know, there's no reason to take yourself that seriously. And, and really at the end of the day, like, I just don't care if I look that stupid. And I, I would I would tell you that that's a very freeing feeling to feel. Um, when you're not really worried about how you look, I think people will resonate with that. And it just gives you a little bit more freedom. So I would just say lighten up. Let's, let's, Let's lighten up and let's not take things too, too seriously, except for the things we absolutely need to. Um, and, you know, the corollary to this is like, I always think of like, you know, 90, 90% of things that happen in my life, I just shouldn't take too seriously um, and, and really just focus on those, that 10% that really is really, really important and take those things super seriously. Okay. So that's, that's a lesson. Lesson number five um, is to buck convention Buck convention. So in one sentence, don't be afraid to go against the grain. 
you know, really the best people in history always have, right? Rosa Parks sitting on the, you know, the front of the bus, Einstein, Michael Jordan, you name it. Um, they've all bucked history, Oprah. Uh, excuse me, they've all bucked convention. And I think one of the biggest things that we all get into uh, where we fail in this is we're always just trying to fit in and we're trying to be like, look the right way or wear the Lululemon shorts and the Lululemon top when we go to get coffee um, or have like the Patagonia hat on or whatever. And this is more of a Southern California thing that I see around here. And, and so we're all trying to fit in just, it's just like high school, right? Remember high school and like everyone tried to fit in. You had to find out where your click was. Like, you know, in our school, it was like either, either you were a preppy kid or you were a Guido. Um, and those were really the two groups of, of kids in our, in our, um, in our high school. And I think a big failure for me in high school was that I really was, I tried so hard to, you know, to fit in because I was having such, you know, such crazy times happening with, uh, uh, you know, with, um, what was happening in my childhood with my, you know, being sexually abused and what have you that, you know, I tried so hard to fit in and, and it was, you know, it just hard. And then, <clears throat> you know, as you, what you realize later on in life is that bucking convention is a good thing and that you don't always have to follow the crowd. You don't always have to follow the map. You can go out, go out and do your own thing. Um, and I think one of the biggest successes in my life around this, around this, uh, area was that when I had a, um, a real estate offer from a private equity company out of New Zealand to start a green company in, in America, um, they gave me a huge amount of money and put a team together and, you know, we were doing this and after four or five months of working with them, I realized that I didn't want to work with them because they were, um, you know, our, our, our values and how we wanted to treat people were just totally different. They were a huge company. They didn't care about squash and little guy. And I've sort of been always, you know, a proponent of little guy and the proponent of the underdog. So I just wasn't able to, uh, do what they wanted me to do. And, Typical convention would have said, look, you're going to work with them for two years. You're probably going to make a million bucks if you do it. You're making 200 grand a year working for them. So just shut up, suck it up, work for them, and don't worry about it. And, uh, and I didn't do that. I actually bucked convention, and I, I told them, you know, like, look, I don't want to work with you anymore. I gave them back, you know, the $15 million that they had given us, and I quit. And I went from making 200 grand a year with, you know, a, a million and a half dollar upside to making zero uh, right after that and starting my own thing. So I think it's okay to buck convention. I was way happier after doing that than I was uh, before. So I think it's something that is, is important to do is to buck convention, okay? Lesson number six, <coughs> excuse me. I should probably edit that out, but I probably won't. But lesson number six is to choose to inspire, okay? So here's what I mean by this. You will get your way way more often if you choose to inspire people rather than threaten them. And so I'm going to give you two examples of previous bosses I've had in my life. <clears throat> the first one, David Chang, LA Cellular in the early 90s. He was my direct boss. I was working for an outside, I was working in outside sales for LA Cellular. So at the time in the early 90s, um, mobile phone, not everybody had a mobile phone, not everybody had a cell phone. So I was selling those to businesses and, and to whoever. My boss, David Chang, did not like me at all. He just was not a fan of me. And, and 
I, quite honestly, I don't know why. I really don't. I mean, I, I really don't. But he just didn't like me. I was in his office all the time, and and I was I was arguably the either the top performer or in the top two performers on his team, always exceeding my quota every month. Um, and he just didn't like me. I don't think he liked the fact that I went surfing in the afternoon after I was done with work. Um, there's just nothing about me that he liked. So he would come in, he would bring me into his office and try and uh, use sort of tacit threats of, well, you know, if you're not happy here, Jim, you know, your, you know, your talents could be used elsewise. You know, I don't know if we're going to have room for you in the future. And, and, you know, like on a team of 12 people, when I'm number one or number two, it was kind of laughable that this dude was telling me this, right? Like he, he, he just was just not, you know, he, he was using uh, these sort of these tacit threats to try and push me out of the company. And so when something bad finally happened with him and he ended up getting fired, you know, no one really came to his defense because most of the people on our team really felt the same way about the guy. And, uh, and, and, and I got to say, like, that's a failure because, like, he could have chosen to inspire me. I mean, at the time, I was very impressionable. And, and um, he could have taken me under his wing. He could have treated me a lot better. He probably would have gotten even more performance out of me. But, you know, the way he treated me, I was kind of like, you know what, I'm going to hit my quota and that's it. And then I'm going to go and, and that's all I'm going to do because I have no interest in helping this guy further his career. You combine that with, or, or um, contrast that, not combine, if you contrast that with my boss at Career Builder, when I worked at Career Builder, I worked for this wonderful woman named Jamie Kenny, who was just awesome. She was just fantastic. She runs her own company now called Proactivate, and she's, a, uh, she's the owner, but she was my sales director when I was there. Um, I had a sales team under me, and she was my direct manager. And she, she just inspired me to do my best. And, and quite honestly, like I just did really well when I worked with her because not only did I want to do well for myself, but I wanted to do well for her because she just was always positive and was always, um, telling me how, you know, how much she valued, how valued, how valuable I was to her team, how important I was, um, to her personally. And, and she just inspired me, me so much that I would have run through a wall for that woman. She was just you know, fantastic. And, and even when I quit career builder, she was the first person I called. I told her why, you know, why I was going to go on my own and everything else. And she was completely supportive of it. And, you know, we're still Facebook friends. I never see her, you know, we talk occasionally, you know, uh, you know, message occasionally, but I love her, man. She's just, she's just awesome. And I will always have that feeling about Jamie Kenny. Um, and, and, and she's, you know, and there's also no, no surprise that she was extremely successful in her career because she was, you know, able to take people like me, really inspire them, really get the best out of them. And that helped her with her career. So I think that's the lesson here is to really, when you're working with other people, whether they work for you or you work with them or it's your boss, choose to inspire. Don't go for threats. Don't go towards fear. Open your heart and choose to inspire. Okay, so that's the lesson. Lesson number seven. This is a this is an interesting one for me, and I was as I was coming up with these lessons. This is one that I thought was uh, really important. This is something my mom taught me a while ago, and it might not be obvious, but the lesson is to put time limits on bad stuff. Okay, so put time limits on bad stuff. So, and believe me, I wish I could say it more eloquently than that, but I can't. <laughs> so sorry. So in one sentence, basically what this means is you can grind through just about anything if there's an end in sight, 
right? So you can grind through anything if there's an end in sight. So a couple of examples of this. In, uh, and I've talked about this before, but during the economic downturn, crash, bubble, whatever, whatever the heck you want to call it, we lost, uh, you know, Kelly and I, I lost, the, we lost the majority of our savings, all of my IRA money, all of my 401k money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when that happened, when that was all said and done, we were sort of in this stage where I was like, I was like, oh, we've basically have lost everything. We have nothing left. You know, I didn't really put a time limit on that. So I really dwelled on that for probably a couple of years. And I'm embarrassed to say that, but I'll say it. You know, I, I dwelled on it for way, way longer than I should have. And I felt paralyzed and I felt like, oh my God, like I'm this age. I can't believe I've done this. I'm a complete idiot. You know, this is so dumb. I can't believe it. All my friends are ahead of me now. You know, so I, I played every, every single one of these games in my head for, for a really, really long time. And it did nothing for me. Like it didn't help me. It probably set me back even further because I wasn't able to move forward on other plans because I was so paralyzed and so, so, you know, busy and so consumed with dwelling on this for as long as I dwelled on it. Um, it was really unhelpful. What, what would have been better for me is to say, okay, I'm going to dwell on this for two months and then that's it or whatever. Uh, and, I, and I'll give you another example on putting time limits on bad stuff uh, where I think it worked out well for me is that in my senior year of college, I had knee surgery. I had ACL, I had my ACL and my MCL and my PCL repaired because I tore it um, uh, playing lacrosse. And during that time, I was alone. I was, oh, not alone, but I was, I was, I just had surgery. I was on crutches. I was back at college. And I remember there was another guy in college. I won't say his name. I don't know if he listens to this or not, but another guy at college who just had the same surgery I had. We both had ACL surgery, right? So I was all on my own because you're at college, senior year, everybody's partying, everyone's, you know, hanging out, whatever. And knee surgery rehab back in those days just sucked. It was just, if you can imagine sitting on the edge of a table with your leg hanging over and then just raising your leg three inches and do that 20 times. Like, sure, you could probably do it right now, uh, but I can tell you if you've had knee surgery, that is excruciatingly painful. But- at the time, what I said to myself was I said, you know, because my mom had taught me to put lessons, you know, put time limits on bad stuff. What I did at that time is I said, look, you know, I kind of told myself, I said, like, this rehab is really going to be done. Like the most effective thing I could do is, is, is everything I'm going to do rehab wise is going to be done before I go home for Christmas. So in the first semester. So this is time limit. Like it's going to suck. And I'm going to hate it and I'm not going to like it. And it's going to, I'm going to be in a lot of pain a lot of the time, but it is ending in three and a half months. Like there is an end in sight. So once I got clear on that and realized, okay, I've got a time limit on this. I can grind through anything. What I would do is I would do the rehab every single day. And, you know, uh, I would be in my college room and, and my roommate, John would be at class and I would blast. That's when, um, uh, Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic just came out. So I would blast that. I would blast Under the Bridge over and over and over again. If you can imagine how cheesy this sounds, now that I'm saying it out loud, wow, it sounds actually even cheesier than I'm even making it out to be. Um, and I would listen to that song endlessly and I would do the rehab in the room, sitting on that desk, raising my leg six inches. Next day I tried to raise it six and a half and I would just keep doing it because I knew it was time limited. I knew I was not gonna have to do this for an endless amount of time. I knew that in three and a half months it was over. Now, fast forward, 
And my friend who had also had the same knee surgery really didn't take his rehab very seriously at all. And, and kind of went back to doing his no regular activities and, and just really didn't put a lot of time and effort into his rehab. Consequently, about a year and a half later, I was back to, back to playing sports and playing tennis and basketball and, and his knee was still messed up. And, and then I saw him, I think five years later, and he said his knee still was messed up. And he said, it's because he hadn't done the rehab. And so I think that's a, a great lesson of like, look, put the put time limits on bad stuff, because if you put a time limit on it, it makes it way easier and you can grind through things um, way more if there's a time limit on them. Okay. So that's lesson number seven. Okay. Lesson number eight is being scared is okay, but don't be intimidated. Okay. So what I mean by this is like fear is a natural emotion. Intimidation is something that someone does to you and usually a bully or someone who is, um, whether they're actively trying to be a bully or they're subconsciously being a bully, they're being a bully. So if, so if I, if I go out to the beach and I see 25 foot waves, right? I'm going to be scared out of my mind, out of my mind. Cause I do not want to surf 25 foot waves, man. I don't even want to surf five foot waves. I want to surf like two foot rollers that I can nose ride on. So, but, but being scared is a natural reaction. That's okay. It's when you get intimidated by something, cause that's something that someone is doing to you. And that's something that you're accepting. And so what I'm saying here is to not accept the intimidation. Okay. So here's a couple of examples. So I'll tell you, uh, um, uh, I'll give you an, uh, I'm going to give you a success and then I'm going to give you probably my one, one of my biggest sort of most embarrassing failures. My, my success is that when I first got into green living consulting and green consulting in general, I was really scared, but I gave a speech at our, at, um, uh, Sola yoga in Encinitas. It was a, it's a great yoga center. It's so much more than a, than a yoga place. And it's run by uh, a wonderful couple named Tom and Trish Kelly, who have been lifelong friends of us. And they're just awesome. If you ever get a chance, side note, if you're in San Diego and Encinitas, go to Solo Yoga. It's just, it just a, is a magical place. But anyway, they, they were open to me giving a speech to a small group. And so I gave a speech on green living and I was, I was scared out of my mind. Cause it was like, you know, I'm the weird guy in 2006 who thinks green living is like important. No one else thinks it is like, I mean, everybody thinks it is now, but back then no one thought that was important. No one knew, even knew what the heck it was. So I gave the speech, it went well, whatever. So that was a success, a success because, um, I really feel like, um, even though I was scared, I was able to push through. So that's the success. Here's the failure. This actually comes from college, um, and playing lacrosse. So in high school, I was recruited along with my friend, Greg Semino, to play college lacrosse at Manhattanville College. And in our freshman year uh, of playing, we, for spring training, we used to come to San Diego. And so we were in San Diego. The whole team was in San Diego. Sorry, I'm getting a uh, drink of water there. Um, the whole team would go to San Diego and we'd play. And at the time, I'm a freshman. So I'm still like a little scared about my surroundings, knowing where I'm going to be on the team and you know, where, you know, where's the natural fit. And I always played attack in high school. So attack is the position where it's kind of like the front line when you score goals. Um, and so I was, and that's what I was planning on playing in college. And so we're, I still remember this. We were sitting in a hotel room in college and it's me, um, a couple of the guys. And there was this guy named Ryan who I was a freshman. He was, I want to say he was a junior. <clears throat> 
So he was asking me, he's like, you know, what position are you going out for? And I told him, I said, I'm going out for attack. And he basically said that he was also going out for attack. And, and, you know, I probably wouldn't have much of a chance, you know, because he had been there for a couple of years. And when he said that, I was like, oh, okay. Well, like if he's going to be starting attack, then I'm not going to try out for attack. I'll try out for midfielder instead. And I remember feeling really intimidated by that because I really wanted to play attack, but this guy was basically telling me that he was going to be starting attack and, you know, what have you. To me, that's one of the biggest failures of my life because by me not, not, by me accepting his intimidation, what, here's what ended up happening. I ended up playing midfield, which I really, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't nearly as much fun as attack was. Um, and I probably wasn't as good in college that I could have been had I played attack. So instead of challenging him and saying like, yep, you know, great that you're going out for attack. I'm going out for attack too. We'll just see who wins and see who uh, uh, is the better out of us. I really bucked to his, to his intimidation and I changed my position. And it's one of my biggest, you know, one of my biggest regrets. Um, and I, I would say that my college lacrosse career really wasn't as great as it could have been had I just stuck to my convictions and not accepted his intimidation. Here's the other really funny thing about this, uh, funny slash sad, is that he was a horrible attackman. He was horrible at attack. I was so much better than him, even as a freshman. It's ridiculous. But I just completely wimped out and I, and I bucked to his intimidation. So I would, again, being scared, no problem. Totally okay. Don't be intimidated. There's no reason to be intimidated. Okay, lesson number nine. We'll move on from that painful lesson and, and keep going. And lesson number nine is to embrace your crazy. Okay, so embrace your crazy. So in one sentence, you know, get used to being weird because we all are. If you're not weird in some way, then that's really too bad because it's it's really a shame. And and you know, I got I'm weird in so many ways. I, I would have to record nonstop from here until Christmas to tell you all the ways I'm weird. I mean, I still listen to hip hop. I'm 46 years old. I wear tank tops more than I wear shirts. Um, you name it. I mean, there is a thousand, I love eighties music. I mean, there's just like a thousand things that would make me the arguably the weirdest guy in the room at any given, at any given time. I mean, it's, but here's the thing. I don't care. Like, this is my, this is my brand of crazy. This is my, you know, this is the gym craziness. If I could allow myself to speak in the third person, which just kind of sounds weird, but whatever. So get used to being weird. So, because the failure in this would be someone who has these, you know, sort of hidden weirdness and never lets it out and never lets the world to see. So I think of like a guy who's like a um, hardcore Star Wars fanatic and collects the figurines and reads all the books and knows all that. And, and that guy maybe thinks it's really stupid or lame or being geeky or nerdy or whatever, and never really brings that out and never shares that with anybody in the world. And, and really what does that person miss? Like they miss meeting their true tribe and they really miss meeting people who've got similar interests as them. And I think that's the travesty. That's the sad, that would be a sad thing. Like, you know, in my life as 46, at 46, it probably makes no sense in the world for me to go play football in a football league. I do it, you know, because it's part of my crazy. It's part of my weirdness, I guess. And, uh, and I've got great friends 
because of it. And, uh, you know, the league that I'm in, the LC35 uh, league here in Carlsbad, it's, um, I'll put a link to it. I think it's lc35.org. It's great. It's a league of guys, 35 and older, who play football and play softball. And I, I love them. I mean, it's just, so embrace your crazy. Don't be afraid of being weird. Don't be afraid of being a little bit nuts because we all are. Um, I, I don't know anybody who's not. Uh, people in my family, friends, whatever. It just, everyone's got their thing. So don't worry about it. Lesson number 10, two more lessons. So lesson number 10, I think is an interesting one. And I see this one that's, and this one gets broken all the time. Ah, more water. So lesson number 10 is to shut up around experts. So when you're surrounded with an expert or you're near an expert, just shut up, just be quiet. Okay. So in one sentence, when someone is around who is smarter or more knowledgeable than you are in a certain topic, be quiet. Because the failure here is that people just, people like to hear themselves talk, you know, myself included. But I find that if you're around someone who's smarter than you um, and knows more than you are, being quiet and listening to them it will get you a way further in life and get you um, way closer to the successes that you're looking to get to uh, because you're able to learn from them. And here's a great example of this. So as I've probably mentioned 5,000 times, I do CrossFit. And at the beginning of every class, after we've done our warm up, either Blake or Eric or Mike will bring everybody up to the whiteboard and start explaining the workout. And so when that happens, you know, I try to be right in the front because I want to make sure I'm doing it right. I don't want to get hurt, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to be able to give them the respect that they deserve because you know they're they're the coaches. But you definitely see some people um, uh, uh, who kind of hang back and maybe they're talking to themselves and. And, you know, we don't see, I don't see this that much anymore, but, you know, I would say about a year ago, we saw this a lot. They would hang back and talk to them, you know, talk, and they were just sort of just kind of paying attention, kind of paying attention. And I was always like, man, that's just crazy because like Blake is up here telling you how to do a hang power clean and what the next progression is and how we're going to go with heavier weight and what the rep scheme is and all that. And I'm like, if you don't want to pay attention, like you could get hurt. And this isn't like get hurt, like, you could stub your toe. This is like get hurt. Like you could drop 135 pounds, uh, you know, and blow your back out by doing something wrong. So it's like when you're around someone who's an expert, you know, whatever, you know, whenever possible, I would be quiet so you can listen to them. And this, this applies if you're in a business setting. Um, I've got a really, really smart friend uh, named Dan who, um, uh, you know, that we work with a little bit and um, love the guy, even though he's a, from New Jersey and is a hardcore New, uh, New York Giants fan, which I can't stand them, but he is, he's a business genius. So when we go out for beers, um, I try not to say anything I, and I just let him talk because I want to hear what he's talking about. And I've learned so much just being around him in a casual setting about how he looks at business and how he looks at things. And this is a guy who's usually four or five steps ahead of anybody else. Um, and uh, so like to me, he's an expert. And so I'm, I'm pretty quiet around him because I want to learn as much as possible. So and I, I would say that lesson number 10 um, is to, when you're around an expert, be quiet, let them talk, see what you can absorb. Okay. Simple enough. All right. Last, last life lesson. And thank you all for hanging in for as long as, uh, 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 as long as you have. Lesson number 11 is to believe in your ability to do awesome totally epic stuff. So in one sentence, your belief in yourself 
will carry you further than anything else. If you believe in yourself, that is the first thing that you have to do. If you're able to do that, no matter what the odds, no matter what conventional wisdom says, no matter anything else, if you can just believe in yourself, that belief will carry you further than anything else. That is the fuel upon which your life runs. And you have to believe that you're here to do awesome, totally epic, insane, great for the world stuff. You gotta believe that, okay? And I, you know, personally, I know I failed in this a thousand times. Um, I've given up on myself plenty of times over the years and, and really caused myself to miss some great opportunities. Um, and it's always been because, it, not because I couldn't achieve it, but because I didn't believe in myself. And so what I would say is, if you're able to believe in yourself, that is something that virtually removes just about any limits on whatever you're going after. You believe you can do it. If you believe that you're here to actually do great stuff, then that stuff will start happening in your life. I really, really, truly believe that. And I'll leave you with the, you know, the success. And I've talked about this before, but like for me, I, um, I've been working on this book, this book that I just put out, the Hero Up book. I've been working on that probably for five years, right? And I would write stuff and then I would shelf it and then I would write it and then I would you know, throw it on the shelf again and whatever. And I just couldn't put it together. And I kind of, I, you know, I really got to a point where I was like, I didn't believe that I could write a book. I didn't believe I could write a book of value. I believe that, I believe that I wasn't good enough to be an author. I believe that I wasn't good enough to put something down that was going to be memorable or worthwhile to, to anybody. Okay. The book really didn't start coming together until this year in February when I started and I don't know what it was, but something just kind of clicked in me that I believe I just started to believe that I had it in me. I believe that I had this epic book in me and that, you know, I didn't care if I got a ton of great reviews I didn't care if it sold a, you know, a ton of copies. I just wanted to write a book that would change one person's life. And I was like, if I could write a book that can change one per person's life, I'll be really happy by that. That's part of my legacy. And that'll just be something really, really cool. And it's going to be a great example for my daughters. You know, like they'll be like, wow, our dad wrote a book. That's pretty cool. And it allows them to believe that they can do great stuff. And until I got to that point, until I thought that I could really help someone with the book, it just wasn't going anywhere. And, and once I started believing that, and I believe in that intrinsically in my heart, I, you know, that was February. We're in July now. I published it July 8th. So what's that? March, April, May, June, July. So that's five months. So in five months, I finished the book, proofread it, organized it, formatted it, had it edited. God, this book's been edited like 60 times probably. I've taken so much out of it and added some stuff into it and, um, the book cover design, the front, the back, I mean, you name it. Uh, I got that all done in five months. And it was more because I believed that I could do it. I believe that like, that this book would help at least one person. And it's been really cool. Like as a, as a you know, it's kind of funny being, you know, what, you know, when people ask me and they, you know, they call me and say, hey, Eric, I got your book. It's awesome. I love it. And, and I'm like, I get kind of embarrassed by that because I'm just like, A, I'm not good at taking compliments to start with. And then B, it's just, it's just funny to think that like I'm a published author. Like it's just really kind of funny. Uh, I would have never thought that I had it in me, but I can tell you that it, it, it 
he's definitely opening the doors to other things now. And it's something that's so cool as an example. And it's like, as a cool example for my daughters, knowing that like, okay, they literally can do anything, you know, cause I see that their dad's published a book and, and, and I've had people who have uh, either emailed or, or just sent me really cool notes about like, Hey man, really dig your book. I love this section. And there's nothing that will blow your ego up more than having somebody, um, call you or tell you and say, Hey, you know, I was reading that passage on, uh, internal power. And I really liked what you said about this example. And I really liked what you said about that example. And like, you know, it happened to me today. Somebody said that to me today and it just like, just makes your whole day. And, and, and that really could not have happened had my belief system, um, not changed about five, six months ago. So, so the lesson here, and this is probably the overall lesson, um, overall over encompassing lesson over everything is to really believe in your ability to do totally awesome, totally epic stuff. We're here to do that. Um, I really believe that if you're listening in right now, like you're here to be awesome. I know this sounds cheesy, you know, and maybe you're looking at email or you're taking a walk while you're listening right now, but I really do believe that you're here to be awesome. I really think that we all are. And it's just a matter of figuring out what your awesomeness is. So um, I thank you for listening. Uh, I, I cannot tell you enough how much I appreciate the kind words and the emails and the thoughts um, and the ideas about the podcast. Please keep them coming. I love it. Um, and yeah, if you're so moved and if you want to leave a review on iTunes, that's always really helpful for the show. Kind of tell me where, you know, what you like, what you don't like. And, and, uh, it's, it's just an honor and it's a privilege to record this stuff for you. And so uh, I thank you very much for all of it in the bottom of my heart. You'll never, I'll never be able to put into words how much, uh, uh, I appreciate you, um, as our, as our listeners and as my listeners and, and, uh, really dig it. So anyway, I won't get, I won't get any more emotional than that. I don't want to start, you know, bursting into tears. So I wish you the best, uh, best Friday, best weekend, best, you know, whenever you listen to this, but best day that you could possibly have. I will talk to you soon. Uh, again, if you do want to check out the book, go to heroupthebook.com, heroupthebook.com. And, um, and I will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Hey, thanks again for checking out the show. I really appreciate you guys listening in. Also want to let you know that my new book is out on Amazon. Can't believe it. Finally done after a year. It's called Hero Up. Unleash your inner hero and make life epic. You can check it out at heroupthebook.com. Heroupthebook.com. So check it out and I uh, hope you dig it. Talk to you soon.